Hey, how's it going, Angela? Good. It's so good to finally have you on the podcast. And this is a special moment because we are live and in real life. Usually yeah. we do these podcasts over a, you know, a screen. And so like to be here to like yeah. see you and feel you and be with you is 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 really special. And I'm excited to chat, uh, Melissa, today. Not only are we friends, mm -hmm. but also we are, um, I guess, kindred spirits in a lot of ways um, from an entrepreneurial perspective, but also from a culture building perspective. Yeah. So I'm excited for you to share your story yeah. uh, about you, about Brewpoints. Mm -hmm. And so let's start there. Yeah. Well, if I can interject with what you just said, because yeah. like <laughs> how we met, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, um, so we had done a panel run, like in 2020 on Zoom. In the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. I remember thinking, oh, like, I feel like I'd be synergistic with this person, but there's so much going on. And so like, you know, I think all we did was like follow each other on LinkedIn. Yes. And yeah. like, you know, what is it, a couple months ago or maybe three to six months ago? Yeah. I was just like, Where, what is time? Yeah. I've been seeing all the posts you've been doing. And I was like, I feel like we would be friends and I missed out on something three years ago. And so, you know, reached out. You know, the vibes were happening to the screen. I was just like, <laughs> just constantly putting herself out there. I feel like I know what she's all about. Like, I want to connect and we're both in the suburbs. So, like, why not? Um, and we hung out and it was awesome. And then we hung out with our husbands and it was awesome. And now we're here. I know. Oh, and we're going to have a bestie like photo shoot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of Brewpoint though, so have you ever looked on Craigslist for an espresso machine to buy a coffee shop instead? Because that's the story of Brewpoint coffee. Only so, you. Yeah. Only you. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, and it's as wild as it sounds because yeah, eight and a half years ago, me and my seven month boyfriend, now husband, Angelo, um, good name, right? Great name. Uh, Great name. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we found this coffee shop on Craigslist, no business plan, no, like really minimal finances. Um, and we bought this coffee shop within a month. Um, and we're just really dedicated to getting a little bit better every single day. We had enough money to make it work for like a month. Otherwise we'd have to like close it up pretty much right away. Cause we had literally nothing. So um, no risk at all is what you're I saying. I mean, right? it, it was an absurd <laughs> amount of risk that like, if you told me that like, oh yeah, I mean, my seven month boyfriend, I'm going to buy this coffee shop together and like put all our life savings into it and have no like nothing to fall back on. Um, I'd be like, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, eight and a half years later, uh, we did get married pretty quickly mm. within that first year. And um, now we have four coffee shops, coffee roastery, an event space. I'm the co-author of a book called Starting and Running a Coffee Shop. And I've been six years on the City of Elmhurst Economic Development Commission. So Amazing. I've loved this journey. It's been a, like, rocket ship. So. And just a quick plug. We just have a you know, conveniently placed uh, for you all to see. But yeah. now you're a thriving coffee shop mm -hmm. uh, community yeah. space, yeah. which is something we'll talk about later. Absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things that we've been talking about quite a bit is the journey of not just opening a coffee shop, but the community you've created and how you think about business. So okay. tell us a little bit just philosophically about yeah, so our mission is to build a more equitable and inclusive world through coffee. Um, and that really just is like, just getting a little bit better every single day, right? Because mm -hmm. being a for-profit business within a you know very strong capitalistic system um, and just trying to build this ecosystem that reflects the values that we wanna see, it is, you know, for me, a constant compromise, right? Like I feel like 
I have ideals of what it could look like and what I want it to look like, but I can't do that without resources. And I can't have resources unless I get money and who has the money, right? Um, and so it is this kind of constant cycle of like building with what I can and getting money from places I don't, that don't, that don't cause me to lose control, mm. um, and won't be something that hurts me later on. Cause it's like some sort of bad credit or something of that sort. Mm. So like it, it has been this kind of amazing journey of eight and a half years of just trying to make a better and better and better ecosystem. Um, and, and, you know, for better, for worse, what I feel in charge and responsible of feels like it keeps growing. Like, you know, at first it's like, oh, it's the community. And then it's like, and then I realized like, no, it's the community and the team. It has to be the team. Mm. And I was like, well, it's also our farmers and it's also our vendors. And it's who we choose for all these things that we can make a huge impact on. Because we have, you know, money is just a way of like, it's, it's, it's power to some degree, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. so like, if I can give power to the things I believe in, um, because I'm given that, like, that's the hope is that it could be this thriving ecosystem mm-hmm. where everyone is taken care of um, as much as you can. Um, and like, that's the philosophy of what we're trying to build. Yeah. And some of the words that come to mind are sustainable, regenerative. You know, you want to build something that is is giving back yeah. and it's it's sustainable and that it doesn't necessarily require you all the time. Yeah. But your ecosystem is a, is a great word because yeah. you've created this the system that is cycling through, um, not just power and influence, but also community and support for your people, which yeah. I think is a very different way of thinking, um, especially in our capitalistic society, <laughs> which thinks of things as kind of a one-way street, right? Yeah. Exploit, take, um, and what you're doing, your philosophy is, is kind of the opposite, which is interesting. Yeah. So. Let's start with just the business part, right? Yeah. Because there's probably some business owners listening to this and thinking, okay, that sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like the right thing to do. Sure. But is it producing revenue? Yeah. Are you creating the revenue that you need to keep the ecosystem going? Yeah. No, I'll open up my books a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we got? Yeah, yeah. So tax season's over, but, but we keep talking about it. Yeah. I just want <laughs> so that original coffee shop we bought on Craigslist, it was um, the revenue for that location started at $180 a day, which mm. is nothing. Uh, but that location now has two to $3,000 a day on average. Oh. Um, and we're at this point, a multi-million dollar company. So, I mean, in terms of revenue, we have been very, um, very blessed. I mean, I, mm. I'm just so grateful for it. Like a lot of it has to do with like, we do make decisions as much as we can that are more people-oriented. Um, it's a little bit less data-oriented at times, and it is this constant compromise, right? So sometimes it's data-oriented, sometimes it's people-oriented. Um, but at the end of the day, like we do need to make sure we're either breaking even or being profitable. Yep. Um, and so that, and making sure that I'm being paid, my husband's being paid. So like a lot of times, small business owners, like either sometimes I hear them taking pay right away, and I'm just like, oh, that's good, that's tough, or they, and a lot of, a lot of pay. And sometimes I hear like nothing for a very mm. long time, right? And that was us for a little bit, uh, for like <laughs> more than I want it to be. Mm. But like now we are reaping the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And so really what it came down to is like the first shop, um, it cost us about $55,000 to start up, which is very low for a brick and mortar. Um, and so that like, and having low debt, um, that really helped us to kind of build. Um, and it was in having our first like team members that I realized that like, okay, like one coffee shop could probably make a living for Angel and I, 
Um, mm. But it couldn't make that great of a living for the people on, on my team. And so within two years, we're like, we, we need to expand if we're going to start making like more livable wages across the board. And so, uh, yeah, year two, we start planning, um, well, like growing. And by year three, we have, uh, we get, we have suddenly have three cafes wow. <laughs> um, and wow. manufacturing. And so, um, you know, that really broadened the scale of what, um, what we were able to accomplish. But I would say going from one shop to becoming a coffee company mm. was probably like years three, four, and five, probably the hardest, mm. like even more than the pandemic for me um, in terms of just like what, like having one shop, I was so involved, you know, uh, we talked a lot about values. The team was very like there because of like me and Angelo. Mm-hmm. And then when we, you know, essentially spread and had, you know, shops can be equivalent to children in some way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like we had multiple children yeah. suddenly. <laughs> and it's like, how do we do all this? Um, it was huge pain point. Like, um, wow. But I remember there was like around year four, year, year four to five. Um, my leadership team sat me down and they're just like, we believe in this. We don't want to leave, but if something doesn't change, like, like, mm-hmm. like we'll leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, that kicked my butt into gear of like, I need to figure out what the issues are. Like mm-hmm. I need to be waking up with like the openers at 6am and figure out what's happening and make sure we have the right leaders and start seeing like, you know, start putting the right people in the right places. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that really, we were in full motion of that. And we're about a year into some of those changes when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just coming out of <laughs> like probably one of the harder times for us. Um, and then uh, when the pandemic hit, like, I mean, for better or worse, I think that I'm, I, I my leadership does thrive during like moments of uh, like, the unknown and chaos. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, we, we closed one day, um, we had three cafes at this point and, you know, we're all, you know, everything's closed. People are unsure about their jobs. They're trying to figure out what their lives are, um, with my team. And, um, I sit down with my, uh, sit down with my leadership team, uh, mm. sit down on zoom and, <laughs> and, uh, we're just like, what are we doing? Yeah. And, uh, we decided that we were going to open our one cafe through a window and Mm. that all the other cafes would close and we would talk to the whole team and say, this is how many hours we have. Let's divide and conquer based upon how much we think, like, you know, how much every person needs. And and some people self-selected out because of health or because of, Mm -hmm. you know, they were moving because of the situation. And um, we were able to not have to let go of anyone. Um, Everyone took what they could get and stayed within a community of people that were synergistic during a time in which it was incredibly isolating. Mm-hmm. We were the only cafe open for three months uh, through that one window. It was absurdly busy because like, what else is anyone going to do? Um, and so it'd be like a hundred lattes in line that had to oh wait gosh. for an hour, unfortunately. Wow. But um, it was, it was a moment where like, I think the community internally and externally you could see that like when things get really rough, we'll like, we'll put our money where our mouth is. And I will say that that was a risk that like, if, if things like PPP didn't come through, like in making people oriented decisions, it would have been hard to stay afloat. Um, but like 
government grants like that helped incentivize us to continue putting our people first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's caused us at this point to have better retention than we did before the pandemic, uh, even at a time in which retention is really hard for our industry. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like you've hacked this balance of doing well and doing good, right? I mean, going back to opening your books a little bit, yeah. I mean, you put into perspective everything that you said, you integrated a people element. And whether you know that or not, you know, probably not. It's just the way you think that these are your values and just to know that they're shining through because that I think is something that's naturally coming to you. Um, And so tell tell us a little bit about the retention part, Mm -hmm. because I know there are so many people who are listening to this thinking, gosh, I I don't know how to hack this retention thing. Mm -hmm. Like what is causing people to stay versus go? So what are some things that you feel like you did maybe during the pandemic? Because I feel like the pandemic was kind of a microcosm of a company's leadership and culture. Yeah. Because it was under pressure. Yeah. And what I find working with organizations is typically the true values and the culture comes through during crisis and when people are under pressure. And that's how we are as humans, right? Like typically, you know, our values come out and we're in chaos or stressed out or under pressure. So... What are some things that you did to, to keep the retention high and people engaged and committed? Yeah, I think that like, I mean, the, the first thing that kind of sticks out to me, especially since like 2020, is that like, you know, it's this kind of fine balance of like, a lot of times in the like leadership, like room, <laughs> like mm-hmm. decisions are based on, are, decisions are made based on data um, versus leadership going down to like wherever the, the team is and making decisions based on talking to the team, finding that balance. And I think that like, I think that there are times where I realize that sometimes I am like making these decisions in the closed room with like other leadership team members who are only looking at the books or only looking at like, mm. okay, like, you know, where or how things are hitting within a budget. And then when we go and talk to the team and we're like, okay, this is the plan. Like our management team does feel comfortable enough where they'll just be like, hey, like that makes sense. Like I understand why we have to do this and how doing X thing will help us do X, Y, and Z. Um, But like here are other things to keep in mind. And it's, I think for me, like I will always try to strike that compromise. Mm -hmm. And that's something where the question I've been kind of like asking myself is like, what is the profit that I think is like reasonable for a kind of company like mine? and like not trying to penny pitch as much as possible in every single way mm-hmm. and just be like, based on the data of what I've built so far, like what do I think is actually reasonable and is a good stewardship of like the resources I have versus how much I think I can maximize it, right? Mm-hmm. So like something like what we do possibly could have up to 20% profitability. But I think what's really reasonable for what I wanna do is 10%. And like that way, everyone can kind of benefit from it. Our team can have good retention and not feel like they're being squeezed for every amount of their labor, right? Like mm-hmm. it is, but at the same time, there's that balance. And so like, that's that's kind of where my mindset has been more lately of just like, when when the pandemic really hits, we made so many people-oriented decisions and not as much data-oriented decisions. And because the past three years, there has been grant money like mm. we've continued to be able to make people oriented decisions. And it's really been this last year that we've been like, okay, like now let's bring it all together. And like, how can we, we are in a position of power. Um, and so let's, let's try to build off of like what we, what we have, it's really special. So um, I think, yeah, I think it'll just continue to be that. 
What do you think of the responsibility of business owners are around those people-oriented decisions? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're I like I do think of like a stewardship mentality, right? So like it is it is one of those things where it's like as a leader, I you know it is hard being in our position, right? It is it can be especially if you really are trying to do good and have like these kind of like values embedded into everything that you do, right? Like there's this constant like uh, feeling of like you're being torn apart a little bit, right? Of yeah. like like what. Um, you know, what's the best decision for the long-term versus the short-term versus an individual versus a group, right? Like there's these, all these things to keep in mind. But like the, I think part of being a leader is just like, it's not for my team to comfort me, to make me feel better. It is for me to serve them. Um, and like, I will try my best to communicate as much as I can. Um, but I also have to put some level of boundaries around that because like, you know, I know that I can only do so much. Um, <laughs> And so my thought process is like, I need to take, I need to make sure I am putting a good amount of self-care into me so I can be the best leader I can be to not push additional um, pressure on my team more than like their work actually, um, you know, like requires. And yeah. so, yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. And I think that's really underrated. Um, the fact that, you know, your position as a leader is one that, there is a trickle down effect almost of if you're under stress, um, if you're feeling squeezed, like that all trickles down. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the community element yeah. because we talked a lot about the idea of the actual position of your business in the community mm -hmm. and how I think that from my perspective also contributes to your high retention rates. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you're thinking about community and your business. And then I'll, I'll add in why I think it's important for the, the culture conversation. Ah, I love that. <laughs> I love this back and forth. So um, so when we originally like um, created Brewpoint, our mission was to create authentic community spaces. And I remember in business pitches, like people would be like, what does that even mean? And I was just like, I don't know. Like you've been to a coffee shop before. <laughs> like, right. What do you feel? You feel like this authentic community space. Like we want to create that. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's, I'm going to say like a random statistic and a random study because I don't know the exact ones, but like it is, it's quite proven that like coffee shops can make communities like happier, right? They're a part of like mm -hmm. the equation of a happy community. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's because of like a space where authentic connections can be made. Like part of the reason I wanted to start a coffee shop was just like, I, I loved the thought that like people go to coffee shops who don't drink coffee. Right. Like it's like it means that when you say let's go to a coffee shop, it's not sometimes people are like, I don't drink coffee. But most of the time it's more of a symbol of connection um, mm. or a symbol of a space where you feel at home where you feel like kind of that third space type of like creature comfort. Yeah. type of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it's this kind of like, I don't know, it's like this physical like space that like makes people feel positive. Right. And so the thing that I've been trying to like piece together for myself as I've been doing this for the past eight and a half years with multiple shops is like, really, my business is coffee in terms of what makes me money. Um, unfortunately, space doesn't make me money, right? Like, I mean, it can, and if I can try to figure out how to do private events or if I can do these other things, but like, I don't need 4,000 square foot like cafes. Like I need like 1,000 or 500, right? Like if, if people are just buying a product because 
you know, when Starbucks, you know, was like, they're, they're, we're this third space, right? Like that was their whole model. That's what like, um, you know, people really associated them with and really brought especially coffee world into mm. existence. But, you know, now their models are all drive-through and they're condensing all their cafes to have the smallest footprint possible because mm. what makes money is the drinks, not having as much square footage as possible. So all this being said, like, I've been kind of in this mindset of like, um, authentic community space matters, connections matter. They're a huge asset to community building and economic development, mm. uh, but who's paying for it? Like, should it be a business owner like me? Um, because if I'm looking at my books and, you know, things are already tight, like the difference between a 4,000 square foot space and 1,000 is a big difference. Um, should it be like, should you combine it with like, you know, like a capital one, right? Like should like, but then how does that change the authenticity of the space? And do people come to it the same way? Yeah. Should it be a space that's sponsored by a big entity? Can, can you do something like that where you can, essentially um, like where you could essentially like take the culture and make sure it's preserved while still getting sponsorship money and benefits for that sponsor um, through other other means Mm. and so one thing that i've been fixated on because part of brewpoint success has been partnering with like the municipality of elmhurst Mm. like our four thousand square foot space was had a good amount of tiff money um and i could not imagine trying to take that on as like pure debt um and to clarify tiff money just to make it easy is essentially kind of like a grant right like it had parameters it had things that were different but it wasn't money that i had to pay back in a network a normal way and so um yeah so like that it's like that is the reason why i think 4,000, like I could have a 4,000 square foot space. And that is why I think that space can change the community. But, you know, like, well, other moves, should the municipality be it? Possibly. Like, then it's taxpayer dollars, right? Right. So. And that's where I think um, we have to think about, you mentioned the ecosystem of, of your organization, but your ecosystem includes other elements, other systems yeah. that it, that's feeding into it and is feeding back in. Yeah. And so I think sometimes as business owners, we think about our system only, yeah. right? And it's a container. And um, I think we have an opportunity to think about all these other systems and how they work together. Coffee shop, for example, and how that impacts things like urban planning yeah. or human-centered design and how it fits into the community. Um, but tell us a bit more about how your employees are interacting with yeah. that idea. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it is one of those interesting things where it's like this cyclical system, yes. right? Because like specifically the retention in my cafes in Elmhurst, like, and the amount of applicants that we get, um, whether or not we're hiring is like, it's it's been mind blowing over this past couple of years. And I a lot of it has to do, I mean, you could look through every application because there's like this little box of like, why are you applying to Brewpoint? And it's like, it's their story of what Brewpoint has meant to them. Like, it is literally of like, I came to the shop and this is what happened. This is how I felt. Like, or I had this drink and I drive 30 minutes like every week to get it, right? Like, it is it is through the experience that like we get like more and more applicants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people like, and uh, I mean, I think my team is a big reason why people also apply because they're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then them being happy and them having that engagement with the community, like, 
it just kind of keeps feeding itself. Right. And so by no means do I want to say any of these things are perfect because I know, like, I, I think part of our strength is the fact that, like, you know that there's many things that we can always grow in and we try to do that on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, that is a big part of, like, the team, the community, and the cyclical nature of how our community becomes our team. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, and how people are interacting with yeah. each other, how your employees are interacting with their customers. Yeah. There's a connection to your values, which I think you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So I kind of want to summarize because we're going to wrap up a little bit here because, I mean, we could talk all day. Yeah. We could have like four episodes. <laughs> but I think some of the things that really are highlighted for me when I when I hear your story and, and hear about Brewpoint, because um, I know we were having this conversation earlier and you're like, you know, retention is up. Yeah. We don't know exactly why. We know we've done some things right, but... I think first and foremost, you're listening um, to the community, but also your employees as a community. So I think you're, you know, visualizing kind of this ripple effect and how these things interact with each other. And I think the tactic of listening authentically is really, really important. Stepping aside as the business owner and saying, how can we create an equitable experience, especially during the pandemic when people needed different things? So I think this idea of equity and learning about people's human beings is a huge part of it. I think also the way you treated your employees during the pandemic probably catapulted your culture forward by 10 times um, because everybody was watching you and and your leadership team at that time. So that was a that was a. A pure trust building activity Um, and you did everything right. <laughs> you, you know, you were, you were people oriented and you built that trust, which I think is so, so important. And then lastly, the interaction with the community. I think thinking about customer experience and employee experience needs to be gelled together because your customers create an experience for your employees as well. Yeah. And then how you're interacting with the community and how people see themselves in the community and living those values, I think is all contributing to the amazing culture that you built at Brewpoint. And I just want to thank you for sharing your story. And I'm sure we're going to have you back on at some point to talk about, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but I think at the core of this is your value system. And that's something that shines through in from you as a founder, as an owner, um, and then ripples into all the, the stakeholders that you're working with. So thank you for all the work you do yeah thank you for that summary and like for the work you do i mean like i mentioned i've, I've been following you for a little bit and i just like i was just like we have to be friends that's yeah just, that's just, that happens. just needs to happen and it's been great so it's been really nice to have that um <laughs> kind of kindred spirit so yes yeah. yes thank yeah. you so much melissa and we'll chat soon i'm sure more to have me let's do it Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I was like, I was trying to, to get it to a 2.30, but... Um, I think it was so, just me talking, right? Yeah. So I could just kind of... Um, no, thank you so much, Angela, for that summary. Like, I, I've i really enjoyed getting to know you over these past couple months. And, like, just as much as I, you know, tried to put, like, my, my money where my mouth is, like, I feel like it's been awesome to have, like, another kindred spirit do the same and, like, you know, have that camaraderie. So thank you for having me on this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a a demonstration that you can do well and do good. So thank you for doing well and doing good for your people, for the community, and for everyone who enjoys your amazing, delicious coffee. Thank you so much. <laughs>